Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. X-Pac, 1, 2, 3, 60. A new day is dawning for DX. And now, your host, Sean, X-Pac Wolfman. Welcome to X-Pac, 1, 2, 3, 60, everyone. This is a special audio-only edition of the Christmas holiday since After Buzz Studio uh, is closed. And we don't want to leave you with no show. That's right. Yeah. So, um... I guess the first thing I'd like to do is talk about a tweet that I saw uh, from Dave Meltzer. Uh, I think I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, I think you do too. And it's just, you know, it's it's a timely tweet because, um, you know, last year, uh, none of the guys in WWE uh, got a chance to spend Christmas with their families. And there, there was a pretty big uproar last year too. People were upset that they weren't given the opportunity. But now this year... They pre-taped her on SmackDown so to give them that opportunity because it landed on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And uh, Dave Meltzer tweeted out uh, back on the 19th, for anyone complaining that WWE taped ahead this week so the talent could spend Christmas mornings with their families this week, please leave and don't mind coming back until you change your mind. 100% agree with that sentiment. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. Yeah, and some people like took, you know, took exception to that. And uh, uh, I, it just blows me away. I, I don't you know? understand it either. See, here's the thing. I, you know, um, when I was younger, we worked on Christmas. We worked on Thanksgiving. Sometimes, uh, you know, in WWE, we would do Survivor Series mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving. And I mean, we were gone for a lot of holidays and it hurts. Like, um, you know, like the guys sacrifice enough. The guys, the, 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 the ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that go out there and bust their ass every night. They sacrifice enough all, all year. Um, it's they are definitely entitled to spend Christmas with their with their family, especially especially with, you know those with children. Yeah. As a, I mean, as a father myself of two grown children, uh, so many, you know, uh, you can't get those Christmases back, Mark. Yeah. And and um, and I look back and you know, and I regret. Uh, not being there sometimes. I mean, I, I guess I don't regret the decisions, some of the decisions I made. Um, you know, well, I guess I, I, I maybe I do. Also, yeah. I wouldn't be bringing him up, right? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, the the our families are the ones that that pay a huge price mm-hmm. for us following our dreams, and so if, you know, I think of think of. You know um, the families. If you, if you, even if you're one of these people, like I, like you mentioned, you saw in there. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of just. I mean, they they don't. It, it's when people don't share your point of view on something. It's like ah, eh, whatever. But for this particular thing, some people are are going a little bit farther out of their way to be 
negative about so they should be giving us live shows and this and that where for me coming from a production standpoint similarly to what we're doing right now we're making sure that the folks have a show to listen to so it doesn't break the schedule it maintains all of our stuff but also we give them something to crowd around the the television to watch mark i you know somebody you said uh tweeted something about you know we pay their salaries yeah, it, was it salary. really like that basic you know uh i i quoted it verbatim somebody said we pay their boy salaries. that's an original that's an original fucking <laughs> thought yeah Jeez. never heard that one before no and uh okay notwithstanding that's bull like bullshit oh, 100 percent um even if you think that you like directly eh, i don't want to get into that no i agree yeah uh because i mean we couldn't you know, like without the people's support and them coming out, uh, you know, buying merch, buying tickets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even these days, just your time like spent viewing the product is worth money mm-hmm. to us. So even just your time, grateful for that. But that doesn't mean that uh, you're getting your checkbook out and writing uh, – you know, $3,000 check to, you know, Bank of America for so-and-so's mortgage or paying their light bill or, you know, things like that. Mm. And there's a, and Marcus, there's Mm. also, there's a fair trade that goes on when, you know, they pay for something and you give them a product, Mm. whether it's entertainment or like a, you know, you know, a a a tangible object. So I don't want to get off into that. All I'm saying is if you, even if you think that, like think of the, you know, think of the kids, their children yeah, and their wives and all these people that like that sacrifice. The parents, like I, one of the, one of my favorite things WWE did this year was they've done a lot more to show the human story of a lot of superstars where you got to meet parents, family, trainers, this and that. And, and now there's a face to put to that of, everybody deserves to to spend christmas with their families or the holidays with their families whatever they celebrate so you know the, they deserve to spend time with their families they deserve to wake up in their own bed mm-hmm. on christmas morning and go you know see their children open up christmas presents or whatever if you know hanukkah whatever yeah. the hell's going on they deserve to be there and wake up in their own bed and there's not a better bed to wake up in besides uh, one with a purple mattress on it, right? I agree with that. Yeah. And how did you sleep last night, Mark? Not as well as I could have with a purple, I bet. And did you spend the night tossing and turning? Yeah. <laughs> sleep is important, folks. The quality of your sleep affects the quality of your daily life. If you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you've got to try purple mattress. Purple mattresses will feel different than anything you've ever experienced because it uses a brand new material developed by an actual rocket scientist. It's not like the memory foam you're used to. The purple mattress feels very unique because it's both firm and soft at the same time, Marcus. I believe it. It is. It, it, I need a certain yeah. amount of firmness with my mattress. So it, it's... It along gets, with the softness. Yes, along with the softness. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it, unlike, um, you know, like the the previous memory foam mattresses, mm-hmm. not going to name brand names. but Of course not. 
you know, you either have to buy the hard, like the firm or the soft. You don't get them both in one like you do no. with the purple mattress. And the purple mattress ends up giving you a zero gravity-like feel, so it works for any sleeping position, Marcus. Mm. Going with purple gets you 100-night risk-free trial. If you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full refund. It's backed by a 10-year warranty. Gets free shipping, free returns, free in-home setup, and removal of your old mattress. So it doesn't just sit out at like, you know, in the garage the or up against this, you know, up against the, sh- the shed or out in the street. Right now, listeners will get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's on top of all the great gifts they're already offering site-wide. Just text XPOC to 474747. The only way to get this free pillow is to text XPOC to 474747. That's XPOC, X-P-A-C, to 474747. Message and data rates may apply. Thanks again to our friends at Purple Mattresses. Thanks, Purple. And thanks to all of our, our fans over, over this past year that have helped us grow. We've uh, expanded to our YouTube channel. So thank everybody who's watching us here on that as well as our podcast feed. All right. And yeah, about that YouTube channel. Um, we need to get some more content on that. Yes, we do. Yeah. Um, I mean, we it's it's one thing to have, okay, this, this show and... Um, you know, break the the little clips up and, you know, put the past interviews up. But, mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, we need to have some. All the good YouTube channels have, like, other More content. More than one show. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I don't think I don't understand that. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we're developing right now and we're trying to get schedules and tech because they're – and also some clearances because uh, anybody who follows you on Twitter knows you've been watching a lot of great classic wrestling content. So we're just trying to figure out a way to marry all of that together and release it appropriately. Yeah. So thank you to everybody who's been uh, following us there. And uh, we want to do something special for this week's show. So we thought as a special, little... Special, special meaning we were trying to come up with something and we're not in the studio and we don't have a guest and, and... Uh, we can't take calls. So special mean, I guess we're going to go with the Q&A. So we threw it to you, the Xbox 12360 listeners, using the hashtag Xbox 12360. We've got some questions here from the, the fine folks, from you, the viewers, the listeners. And uh, we're going to start, uh, let, let's start some conversations here, Sean. This one, uh, I wanted to put this one in because it's sort of a, uh, it's a good end of the year question. What was your, this is from the Atom Bomb 90. And their question was, what is the, your favorite match that you've seen in 2018? Whether that was a match from 2018 or not, what's your favorite match that you've seen in 2018? Well, and I guess maybe because it's fresh on my mind, Gargano and Aleister Black. That was really good. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not I'm not going to argue with anyone that liked an, any number of matches, but more than that one. Because here's the truth, Mark. These days, in the year 2018 going into 2019, there are so many goddamn good matches out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are so many guys for people to like and so many ladies out there for people to like. Uh, And, okay, in the WWE, that was my favorite. I can also tell you 
uh, uh, Marty Skrull and uh, Okada mm-hmm. from, from All, All In. In. Yeah, amazing match. Yeah, I, if there was one, I, I like that one a lot from All In. Uh, the only one that I think would kind of compare would be Omega and Pentagon Dark from from that show. I it provided a completely different type of message, but I really a lot a lot of the matches on All In. I think we're pretty indicative of how wrestling has changed across the world and giving us different examples of match types. But um, when it comes to WWE, I, re- I really liked Alistair and, uh, and uh, Gargano, but um, Almas and Gargano from New Orleans was just, or no, I'm sorry. Alistair Black and Almas from New Orleans yeah. was absolutely phenomenal too. Yeah, it was. Alistair Black was one of the best competitors all year, even though he yeah. missed three months of it. Yeah. And as good as he was coming in the door, he's gotten so much better Agreed. in the time that he's been there. And also, uh, sincere congratulations on his marriage to Zelina Vega. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Yeah. Thank you very much for that question. Moving on, we got from By Full Sale. What match has made the biggest impact on your life? So that doesn't necessarily mean a match of yours, but was there a match that just really affected you and your something? The What was the one that made you want to be a pro wrestler? I, I tweeted. The, um, I tweeted. No, mm-hmm. well, I was just going to say, what's his name? Person that asked this is from Buy Full Sale. Are we assuming that? Am I assuming that it's a man? Um, We had a couple of uh, women submit, but um, I'll I'll look it up. Buy Full Sale. Buy Full Sale. Like Buy Full Sale Uh, University. University? Uh, This is from Beatrice Ingram. So Beatrice. Ah, Beatrice. Um, Yeah, I actually found that match. The match, the first time I ever went to a wrestling match, I talked about this, I don't know how many times, but it was Dusty Rhodes versus Ric Flair on WA title. And that was the main event of the first match I ever attended live. And it was that whole show, but especially that and the pageantry and everything with the entrances and Dusty and, you know, and Rick and, uh, and, the, the atmosphere, the mm. arena, you know, sold out 8,000 people. Um, That's big. Yeah, well, especially, you know, in St. Petersburg, Florida. Mm-hmm. In the south, the arenas were a little smaller than, say, you know, um, you know, up in, in Boston or Madison Square Garden. Yeah. But, yeah, so uh, that's the match in, uh, that, that I credit for making me fall in love with wrestling mm. and making me want to do this. So that's like, that's... That might be the most impactful, and as far as matches in my career, obviously my my win over you know Razor mm. as as the kid. So yeah, yeah, obviously. Thank you very much, Beatrice. This one I thought would be a little fun. If if you don't want to go too far into it, I totally understand. BN Paul Sen eighteen. That's a that's a big name. Back in the day, would you rather have Vince pissed off at you or the Undertaker? I would rather have Vince pissed off at me. Yeah. Yes. Because it's got to be in their locker room with Undertaker every day mm. on the road, you know, um, and not so much with Vince. You see Vince once a week, you know, has a chance to, like, he's got so many other things going on. You know, it's, it's unless you're right there in his face, he's going to forget about it. Yeah. 
you know, and plus Vince, most of the time, if you were doing well for him business-wise, like, it wasn't enough to get you in trouble, you know, creatively. Yeah. So, yeah, and there's one, there's only one time I would have possibly gotten Taker mad at me. And it was back in when I very fir- very first started uh, in WWE, and you know I talk about this on the show uh, here and there, and um, how I I really went out of my way to try to fit in, and you know was like the the class clown of the lock, the lock, you know, just trying to impress. And I remember somebody talked me into like right in the middle of uh, a talent meeting. Like getting putting Undertaker's hat and stuff on and his gloves and walking in like oh, no. Undertaker. It was so stupid. Yeah. Oh my god. Like oh, my god. it was just like oh I forget who talked me into doing it too. But it was just about the dumbest thing I've ever been talked into doing. Wow. And Taker just was like, because you don't mess with anyone shit. Let alone no. Takers. You don't want to take anything out of his yeah. bag, like a little. No, it wasn't gimmicks. out of his bag. It was okay, just like a... sitting there, like you know, in his bag. But it was really stupid. Very <laughs> uh, quick, very nice little story. Yeah, th- uh, thank you very much for the question. Uh, let's go to Johnny NBA, who asks: favorite version of DX, the first run with you in late 1998, or the heel version in 2000? Johnny, thanks for the question. I guess I'm going to have to go with, you know, the early version with us as baby faces yeah well i mean we started off as heels and mm-hmm. then ended up baby faces by default I, yeah I, is that maybe the right way of putting it I but think so. yeah um so yeah then you know i had that great run with 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 kane our last week's guest and and uh you know that that whole thing like you know, it drew it drew out pretty long. We talked about that, uh, but then luckily, we still had the uh, uh, you know that DX run as heels, mm-hmm. and I loved it. What was your favorite thing about it? I just loved it because we were up in the top, you know, in in the top storyline. We yeah. were we were with Vince. Uh, we were in really good stuff, and we were really we were really good at. You know, being baby faces, and we were really good at being heels too. Yeah. You know, we knew how to we knew how to shine the baby faces, um, and we loved doing it. And around that time, it was in just like I think that year I was in just about every main event in Madison Square Garden because of being involved in that you know storyline. Thank you, Johnny, for that for that question. Let's move on to. Shadow Prince 66, uh, have you ever heard or been pitched a storyline that made you question the pitcher's sanity? So more so, what's what's the craziest thing you've ever been pitched, whether it's been used or not? Not so much storyline, like overall storyline stuff, as much as like just, hey, this is what, this is what we want you to do tonight. This is another thing in the in the question thread but in terms of the, what was it the the crybaby match that you did with yeah Razor? no that's like, one that's something that like okay that's an angle like and you know there was a payoff and that was the payoff yeah and i didn't like that we'll get into that in a second in sure. a little bit but no i mean like things like the writers coming up with this 
stupid fucking idea for Kane and I uh, to get involved in this pudding match, and me come out with a with a uh, with a scuba suit on and a and, and flippers and, and goggles and stuff. yeah like a dumbass like i was like oh i couldn't wait to get up in the middle of all the girls in the fucking mud it was so goddamn stupid and then kane comes out and picks me up and throws me in the in in the mud thing and it was in my hometown too by the way oh geez yeah in tampa when i was living in tampa oh, and man. so um and kane didn't like it either and you know at that point i kind of still trusted them with everything and like because you know things have been going good you know but i i knew this was a bad idea and they were like oh no trust us it's gonna be great and it was so fucking awful um you know when we think about the premise of it now anyways it's so stupid like the the pudding match and the girls in bikinis and the misogyny and just i just kind of got up to speed on how bad that shit was It just, it in seems- hindsight, you know, it was all fun back then or whatever, but, uh, you know, I got no place anymore. I, yeah. No. Yeah. So, but getting back to it, I, um, I come out there and, uh, Glenn comes out and it's just, it's going nowhere fast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my memory is, is he grabs me and picks me up and it, like we both fall in the goddamn mud. Let me. And let- it was just awful. And and the, as soon as we walked back through the curtain, when it was done, the, the writers they fucking went, pew, they <laughs> split. And it was a good thing because I think I would have fucking broke one of their necks. I was that goddamn mad. I mean, not literally, but I was ready to chew somebody's fucking head off. And it's one thing having me go out there like that, but it's another thing altogether having Kane involved in that ridiculousness. Since we brought it up, let me move on to Big Top 34's question, which was, whose idea was the crybaby match, and what were your thoughts on the angle? I hated it. Yeah? Yeah. It wasn't good for me. I did it well, and it worked, but it wasn't good for me at all. So this was back when you were were with Million Dollar Man against Razor. Yes, and I was in the doghouse. Yeah. No matter what anyone says, and they tried to tell me this wasn't the case back then, but it absolutely 100% was, uh, I was in the doghouse because it was known that I, I asked, you know, when my contract was up, and, like, it was around that time. See, people don't, like, when they look back on it, that was Scott's last pay-per-view. Yeah. Yes, and he was on the way out the door. I still lost. <laughs> the goddamn uh, diaper match. So does that tell you something? Yeah, that's and, pretty indicative. Yeah, and I, I'm um, guessing I might be wrong about this, but I'm guessing it might have been Jim Cornette's idea hmm. because Jim did something like that, you know, in in mid south like previously. Or, yeah, back in mid south or in Memphis somewhere, um, or he was involved in something like that, and I remember. That night, before, before the, you know, when it was Jim Cornette that came up and told me, like, you know, I remember running it by me and what was going to happen and trying to convince me, like, how good it was, like, and and in his defense, like, it wasn't, it was entertaining mm-hmm. and it worked, but it, like, for me personally in my career, it fucking blew. Yeah, yeah, and there's no two ways about it. 
it was no like weasel suit match with Bobby Heenan, but I can see where somebody. Can I'm not think, Bobby oh, Heenan. Yeah. I was a wrestler yeah. like that had to try to go, you know, go, in my mind, and... I was trying to go be a, 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 a fucking serious wrestler. And you had to, you had to come back the next night and be a bad guy and be somebody that people should fear, quote unquote fear, yeah. but somebody that should be taken seriously. And then here you are covered in baby and doing cry baby. And then like, you know, later on, like the, after that, that point on, I would do this thing where I would cry and, you know, how long did that last? It didn't last long because I didn't fucking last much longer. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to uh, Kaibatsu who asks, were you given any advice as a wrestler that became more profound as you gained experience? I don't know. I heard. I, I I read the question, and there was just so many things I can't even begin to pull. There were so many things that were most of the good advice I got early on. I didn't get, and that's that's pretty common. You just don't have the life experience and 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 all of that stuff to actually uh, um, you know comprehend it fully. You know, and eventually you do, and then you have a light bulb pop, you know, pop in your head, and it's like, you know, just the things like the basic stuff, like if you think you're going too slow, slow down, uh, you know, because guys get in there and they tend to rush, and and they just they get to going at such a like a pace like that, they're in a race to the finish line, um, especially when the crowd's not making any noise. But I, I'm going to tell you some advice that I got, or some things that I used we used to we used to get. A lot of wisdom dropped on us from Chief Jake Strongbow. Really? Yeah. He, he, uh, I love Chief. My, my friends and I, we love Chief, and he loved us. But he was, he was, he was a curmudgeon. He was in the earlier days, like when I was still acting a fool. Like he would pull me aside and he would tell me, "Trailer," because he called me Trailer, because I was always the last person to you know come in the building. He would tell me. When you're at home, he goes, you're trying to impress all these guys. When you're at home and you're hurt, none of these guys, none of these guys are going to call you. They're gonna, none, none of them care how you're doing. I understand that was his experience and maybe thought that's just how it was. And maybe it was for a lot of people, but I, I, that's not my experience. I have a lot of amazing friends and uh, just about every time I was out injured, um, I had a lot of amazing people reaching out to me. And I'm not just talking about my, uh, you know, like my friends. direct friends. Yeah. No, I'm talking about guys yeah, in the locker room, but okay. not the click. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm going to tell you somebody who really cared, uh, Bob Backlund, Mr. Yeah. Bob Backlund. Yes. He, he's just a classic, that one. I love Mr. Yeah, Backlund. Yeah, uh, Bob. And, and here's another thing about Bob. Every year on my birthday, until he no longer had my current phone number, he called me on my birthday. And yeah, that's so nice. Yeah, oh, that's and nice. I'm not—I'm not nearly the only one he would do that for. Trust me. That's so wonderful. Yes. So Bob is a very special human being. Uh, well, thank you, Kabutsu, for that question. Let's uh, let's move on. Real Cable Guy One asks: Did you ever give Mister Perfect his receipts for shaving your eyebrow? It was eyebrows. But it was both of them. Yeah. Okay. And I didn't know it was Kurt until Billy Gunn was on the show like a year and, what was it, a year and a half ago? 
Don't that's you when remember? you first find out? You don't remember no, Billy? I, I, me, me asking Billy, and he finally admitted it was Kurt. I only, you know, suspected it might be, and, and you know, then I found out, and uh, and so I, there's no real way for me to get a receipt on something I didn't know. But I did. I I ribbed Kurt. Kurt didn't go without getting ribbed by me. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one time. I think it was we were healing a room together in San Francisco. It doesn't matter where the fuck we were healing a room together. Healing a room means sharing a room. Yeah. He was in the bathroom in the shower, and I just couldn't help it. I got the fucking ice bucket and dumped it on his head over the fucking <laughs> shower curtain. <laughs> it's, it's the simple stuff. Sometimes yeah. it works the best. Um, and I remember one time we used to all go to this uh, very, it's kind of a famous uh, place in Newark called, uh, well, there's, it's a it's a strip club, like a go go bar, like bikini bar. It wasn't a like strip club Magical where, strip club, yeah. you know. Uh, and then next to it was a diner, Skyline mm-hmm. Diner, and we all used to eat there. Like we kind of that was all kind of our home base. We'd always go to Lookers, mm-hmm. you know. Lookers, Lookers was the name of the place. And so Kurt and I and you know other people. Oh, Scott Raven was there, and Raven saw the whole thing because he was laughing his fucking ass off. <laughs> And he couldn't believe Kurt fell for it. This guy comes in and he's kind of, sh- he's short and, you know, he doesn't look like Joe Pesci, but he sounds just like fucking Joe Pesci. And so he's talking, I start calling him Joe Pesci and, you know, and I told Kurt, this is Joe Pesci. And when Kurt heard that's Joe Pesci, oh, Kurt started, oh, oh you know, Oh, it was, this guy and Kurt became best buddies. <laughs> and he's inviting Joe Pesci to WrestleMania and giving <laughs> fucking Joe Pesci his phone number. It was oh, the greatest God. goddamn. Oh, it was so funny. <laughs> but it didn't look and anything then, like no. him? What the hell? And then so when he found out, like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Bobby Cash asks, have you ever been offered a short run doing matches for WWE to help young talent? And if not, would you do it? I wanted to flip the question and say, who in today's market would you be willing, would, would be the top of your list to work with? I just know no one, no one's asked me that because the way it is right now with the wellness policy and, you know, the physical and all that shit that you have to go through before, you know, you start probably half the guys that, uh, that I worked with back in the day, you know, even attitude error, all that never pass a goddamn physical. So there's a few things I have to get, you know, get squared away medically. In order to first. do that. Yeah. Is there an interest there? Nah, I, so, I mean, I know you, I know you work yeah. more tags now than, than singles, but here's what I would be interested in. Actually, I would go do, uh, some in ring stuff for NXT. Love to see you down there. Yeah. That's honestly, like when I look at the, you know, the main roster stuff and, you know, NXT, I, I just, I enjoy that product and it's something like that would make me excited to be a part of. Truth is I could do that level of a match. It's just, I couldn't do it often. Mm-hmm. You know, that is just the, the recuperation as, you know, 46 years old, 30, over 30 years of doing this now. It seems like. Maybe I'm just guessing because I haven't done that schedule in so long. Maybe I'm just guessing. I just the thought of it is makes me vomit. From Brian Tan author, 
What was your biggest challenge breaking into the business as an undersized baby face? Uh, getting on shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, getting, getting on, just getting the opportunity, getting someone to even take a look because of the way I looked. Because like when I first, you know, when I first went to Minnesota and I walked out to the ring, I, I got fucking laughed almost out of the building mm-hmm. because they're used to guys that look like the Row Warriors in Minnesota. You know, and even the small guys were jacked. And it, so it took about, it took a couple of minutes into the match before people were like, oh my God, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> yeah. Some people like used me begrudgingly. Like for instance. Um, just throwing you a bone. Yeah. Well, no, because uh, I'm going to use an example. Okay. May he rest in peace. But the, 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 uh, the founder of the monster factory, Larry, pretty boy, Larry Sharp, he was in, you know, he Ran shows in partnership with, uh, also uh, passed away many years ago now, Dennis Carluzzo. And Dennis loved me, and Dennis would bring me in, and Larry didn't want, Larry didn't give a fuck. He didn't want, he didn't care. He wasn't impressed. He had different, you know, Larry was the guy that, you know, well, obviously he was like the Bam Bam Bigelow's, the big, you know, the his godfather went through his, guy, big old fucking guys, yeah. monster factory. I wasn't a monster. Very apropos. Yeah. That was things like that. Yeah, you were fa- falsely advertised for the monster factory. No, I wasn't falsely, but, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. But, no, but, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. I remember one time uh, Larry told me I'm getting paid less, like $100 less. And, really? yeah, so Dennis just charged $100 more for the insurance that night because dennis was the insurance provider because he was an insurance salesman <laughs> and i got my still got you my got property yeah oh that's great we have a question from dham 0624 who asks what's the most fun you have ever had working a match like full adrenaline fun that you've had i want to say a match that you know people have seen because it was a pay-per-view match or something but i think if you can give a, a Televised match and a non-televised match if you wanted to. I don't think there's any problem with that. It's kind of a, a, a toss-up maybe between Razor Ramon and 1-2-3-Kid versus uh, Shawn Michaels and Diesel. It was from the Action Zone television show that was on Sunday after, I think Sunday mornings or Sunday afternoon. Um, it's one of the best tag matches Just you ever. might ever see. Yeah, Def- Of the era, for sure. You know, obviously the, you know, Things have evolved, but you know, for that era, it doesn't really get any better than that. As far as the match goes, it was just, it was so, it was so, you know, like usually you have a template and, and it's smart to do that, you know, like in the match, you know, um, it, it, we just did it a little different than people, uh, would have predicted because usually, like in a team with, with Razor and I, and we're, we're the baby bases, I take the heat. Uh, I tag Scott. Scott comes in and blows the comeback. And it's just how it is. I'm the smaller guy. Yeah. But I blow a pretty good comeback, too. I make a pretty good fucking hot tag, too. So, you know, we kind of did that. But then I took a bit of the heat. And then Scott came in and took the big heat, which was, like, so different. From so you just the, threw off the regular yeah, sort of tempo yeah, of the match. Yeah, and eventually Scott tagged me. And you got the hot tag. Oh, yeah. Ooh-hoo. And I blew a hell of a t- Yeah, it was, it was a good. I, I highly recommend it. It was really good. The house show match I'm thinking of, that was so much fun. It was just, it's not necessarily that this is the most fun I've ever had, but this one comes to mind. 
it was it, when Scott kept came back to WWE and we did the NWO 2002 version mm-hmm. uh, that everyone, you know, didn't think it was very good, but like legit, like we did really good business with that and had some good stuff. I personally really enjoyed it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It wasn't the same as the NWO. Like Mm -hmm. we didn't run rough shot, run through everyone like that. But at at the Meadowlands in in Newark, and at the time it was the biggest house they ever done. It was a $550,000 house back in 2002. And it was Scott, Kevin and I versus Triple H and Hulk Hogan and Hulk. Didn't get there until right before we went out. So we had to put the match together on the way and, and do his stuff and tell him like his stuff. And he was like, he thought we were ribbing him because it was like shit that sound like seemed like comedy spots, but it was, and we were just like, trust us, you know? And it was off the fucking chain. It was so great. Thank you very much for that question. Let's, uh, I think, I think we got time for one more here. Dan Lutzka, uh, D Lutzka on Twitter wants to know. So in, in 98, when you leave WCW for WWF, how much of the promo after WrestleMania was a shoot? And did you have any regrets from that promo? The only regrets I have was just that I, I was, I was so nervous. Like I, there were a few things about it that were pretty rough, but so no, there are no regrets. It was great. It was real. It was coming from a real place. It was a little rough around the edges on a couple of things. You know, I don't like to, I'm not ready to critique my shit, but I don't want to ruin it for people. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? That. As far as like everything that I said, it was all fucking real. Yeah. <laughs> all of it. It's all legit. Yeah. Naturally. Well, thank you everybody for for asking all these questions. Maybe maybe sometime in the future we'll do it. We'll do it again. Yeah, we'll see how people like this. Yeah. I think we have one more thing to uh, to share with yeah, the I folks. Know. This episode of XPOC One Two Three Sixty is brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. NHTSA is working hard to change habits and save lives during the holiday season. Everyone knows about the risks of drunk driving. You could get in a crash. People could get hurt or killed. But let's take a moment to look at some surprising statistics, Marcus. Let's do it. Almost 29 people in the United States die every day in alcohol-impaired vehicle crashes. That's one person every 50 minutes. Even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen by a third in the last three decades, drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. Many people are unaware that driving while high can be just as dangerous. In 2015, 42% of drivers killed in crashes tested positive for drugs. Not so harmless after all, is it? And get this. From 2007 to 2015, marijuana use among drivers killed in crashes doubled. The truth is, driving while high is deadly. So stop kidding yourself. If you're impaired from alcohol or drugs, don't get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Drive sober or get pulled over. I think that's that's it for Xbox 12364 for 2018. Thanks to everybody who who joined us this year and who came along for the ride. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, thank you, everyone. I I, I forgot that um, we're not going to be back until next year, right? Mm-hmm. So I just want to really thank everyone, and I want to give some 
send some love out to everyone that went through some shit this year because a lot of people went through a lot of shit. And I just want to say, um, I just want to recognize that. That's all. You made it. Not me. Like you, all the yeah, people yes, out everybody there. Everybody listening, all yes. the listeners. You made yeah, it. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. But, you know, so we made it, everyone. And uh, and I'm really uh, wishing everyone a very happy and prosperous new year as well. Love, everyone. See you guys next year. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Sean Waltman, producers Mark Donica, Jimbo Frank, and the entire Xbox 12360 staff. We would like to thank you for tuning in. Like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube. Follow XPOC on Twitter at The Real XPOC and email us at xpoc12360show at gmail.com. The Westwood One Podcast Network. <laughs> <laughs>